Hi, I'm David, co-founder of Prodigy, and welcome to the Happy Teams podcast, where we interview digital leaders about how they're winning in the race to attract and retain top digital talent. Today, we're joined by Sammy from Agency UK, a full-service brand communications agency. Listen to hear from Sammy about the wide range of exciting initiatives that he's putting into place to make his agency a great place to work. Hi, Sammy. Hi there. Hey, Sammy. How you doing, guys? Very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Um, great to have you with us today. So, um, as with all of these, we're really interested just to to get a bit more of an insight into how Agency UK, you do things to create uh, an exciting, compelling workplace for your team. Uh, before we get into that, could you just tell us a bit about Agency UK and your value proposition? Sure, yeah. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, so Agency UK, we describe ourselves as a full service brand communications agency. And in descriptive terms, that that is what we do. Um, but our value proposition is built around helping brands um, become smarter, more beautiful um, or more desirable and ultimately more valuable. Because over the last 15 or 20 years, we've recognized that the marketing and the communications effort ultimately leads to a brand value that appears on company balance sheets. And accountants now know this, and it has become a very hard metric uh, for many of our clients, but for many brands around the world, you know, particularly those that are involved in, in M&As and IPOs and, and sort of various other things. This series is about exploring what agencies and agency leaders like yourself uh, are doing to make their organizations great places of work. What are the initiatives, uh, the projects, things that you're doing within Agency UK to make it a pleasant place to work for yourself? Uh, a great place to work for me is probably very different to a great place to work for everybody else. Um, I'm not sure they'd share my vision entirely. Um, but that being said, I mean, there there is, there's obviously a number of reasons why why culture is has become has always been important but has become so vital to the lifeline of an agency and that is that you know we're a service business so we have our people and that is what we sell and if you take that away it diminishes our proposition and it reduces our capacity to deliver great work and and you know with that goes our capabilities right so culture for us is is about maintaining or, or increasing a threshold for doing exceptional work. And to do that, we have to have a culture where the people that work here are given the ability to thrive, but also a place that attracts new talent so that we can bring in the latest ideas, the new ideas. We can, we can stay ahead of the game, which is ultimately what a lot of our clients pay us to do. It, it's to be the, the forethinkers and to make sure that we help keep them cutting edge. Well, we can't do that if we don't have cutting edge people. So that is why we've built the culture that we've built, to be a haven for talent, to attract new talent, and to allow that, that talent to, re to really thrive. I mean, that happens at multi-level, um, or, or there are multiple aspects to that, from retaining existing talent that is homegrown and that you developed through the years, but also attracting new talent such as graduates. Um, 
in our previous conversations, you mentioned you have some um, uh, relationships with uh, universities where you can, that help you attract that you know top grad talent. Let's start with that. How do you go about that, and how how, how was that? Uh, how how does that work for you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of what we do, we've done through trial and error, um, and some of it, you know, the stuff that works sticks, right? Um, I would say that, you know, I don't think there's anything we do that's entirely unique, but what does make us unique is the combination of things that we do. Um, and, and that really has proven to be the difference. And like any great football team, it's all built around grassroots. Our long-term strategy is a grassroots strategy. We like to find and attract young talent. We like mm -hmm. to then train them up to operate in the AUK way, buy into AUK for the long-term which is difficult in our sector when when we're competing against you know other major organizations like nowadays like Google and Facebook and even Accenture and other management consultancies so keeping people for the long term and and providing a rich environment where they feel motivated enough to stay with you for the long term is is always a challenge but it all starts with the outreach and the outreach we found by working with apprentice schemes apprenticeship schemes um, as much as work, we do work with universities as well. Um, universities like like Br Bristol University, Bath University, Bath Spa um, College, we we attract the cream of the crop um, because we're in there. We're in there regularly. We're we're working with the universities and the and the colleges. Um, we're working on joint initiatives. We provide guidance and advice to their students whilst they're still in the academic in the academic world. We do um, work experience. Uh, we do work experiences for them where they come in, some for a week, some for a year. We do sandwich years for graduates as well. Um, and al in almost every case, uh, those that do the sandwich courses with us go back, finish their degree, and then come mm -hmm. back to us and start their graduate scheme. Um, and is this across all the disciplines or is there particular areas within the business that tend to kind of work best for apprentices? And, I would say and we try grads. to do it across all the disciplines for sure. Um, I would say that tech is probably the weakest. Um, a lot of the the way that the tech guys learn um, is off their own back, and they and they do, and it's a much more fluid uh, educational environment for develop for developers particularly. So that's a little bit different, but certainly from a client services or account management, project management perspective, from a creative perspective, the designers, the writers. Um, mm -hmm. And also from a strategic and a planning perspective, albeit not everyone comes straight in as a strategist, but they start that journey to being a strategist, you know, from from the point at which they they leave school or they leave university. You know, they we hope that they identify that's a path they're interested in. We help put them on that path. Um, so with regard to those disciplines, yes, it's a it's a very it's a very direct relationship with the colleges and universities and and it's it's uh it's a it's got a framework both at our end but also at the um, academic end as well but i would say that the development side is left wanting generally i think i think from a educational academic perspective the development communi communities are left wanting they haven't got that right they haven't worked out what people need to be great developers some there universities are definitely better than others but as a whole i agree with you we, you know we hear the same echoes where you know, this is where they're at when they come out of uni and this is what you need. Uh, but that's part of what we're here to provide, right, as, as employers in tech sector. Uh, but yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, something you mentioned about your Agency for All uh, programme. That sounded really interesting. Can you, can you tell us a bit about that? So we put in place a um, a framework that we call Agency for All, and we did it with, uh, with Cox and Consulting, actually. And um, what we did with them was put together a framework where all members of any level of team run through an agency for all program over a number of working sessions, which happens over months, not, not weeks. We tend to do a cohort a year. And the agency for all framework is designed to help and support on all aspects of someone's career journey. So that's not just, you know, what do you want to be in five years? That's about the day-to-day practical requirements for being, you know, a great employee or being a valuable person for the, for the agency or being a great leader or starting the journey to be a great leader or helping to share as part of it, helping to share the challenges that many employees face on their journey throughout their career. And by sharing those challenges and discussing those challenges, working out the best and most appropriate approach for meeting those challenges head on. So it's all about collective learning, but collective learning done in a framework that is both measurable and appropriate for the kind of working world. And of course, you know, Agency for All, we're up for a number of awards actually for the Agency for All program um, this year. We launched it two and a half, nearly three years ago, but we've done two cohorts now. Um, We like to think that Agency for All is, brings people closer together and, and ultimately makes people more committed to Agency UK and to see their long-term future here. Um, And it certainly does that, you know, since we've been running it, we have certainly seen a reduction in our uh, turnover of staff year on year. Retention rates have, have, have gone up significantly, but it's more than just that. You know, if people feel there is a time for them to leave and move on and explore other opportunities, they take that Agency for All experience with them. It helps them it's a it's a fundamental building block for their career and it helps them moving moving forward so you know we we feel it's um it's not just about it's it's as much about giving back as it is about doing stuff in in the working interests of the agency and our people when they're here right that's amazing and i think you you mentioned as well you've been doing some other training for a little bit longer with training budgets and things like that so every member of staff gets an annual training budget and they're encouraged to spend that budget in full and um, that's really important. The, the, the criteria is that that training budget must be used in line with their, with their uh, career development. Um, so it has to have a, you know, we can't have somebody in project management going and doing a pottery course. <laughs> it's not designed for that. What it's designed to do is it's, help, it's designed to help people tool up and skill up and to dedicate a certain amount of time for them to be able to pursue a qualification, not in every case, but in most cases, they, they pursue a qualification. Um, and then that's a, that's a great CV builder for them, but it's also a great accreditation for us. So we've got Google Gold Partnership status, we've got Meta um, Gold Partnership status, all of these things are achieved by members of our teams going through training programs. And bearing in mind that, um, you know, our training budget isn't vast, but it's not insignificant. But given the amount of training you have access to um, nowadays and the cost of a lot of that and how some of that is subsidised, we find that our training budget doesn't constitute one course a year. It's, it can be multiple courses throughout mm-hmm. the year. So people are always in a, 
always on, always learning state of mind. And we find that building in that routine, a bit like a training regime or going to the gym, if you build in that routine and it becomes a behavioral norm, then people are not only much more open to, to learning new things, it's, it is an expectation that they have of themselves to always be learning new things. Uh, and that keeps people hungry and it keeps people motivated. Um, so that's the, on the training budget side. We also have peer-to-peer uh, -peer training as well, and we encourage that. And that happens almost on a weekly basis, certainly, you know, at least once or twice a month, never less than that. And that can be sharing um, experiences um, or sharing knowledge, imparting knowledge. And that can be done uh, either to the whole agency team, which, which we do in, in all agency learning lunches, or it can be done on a team level or even an individual level. One of the things we do ask is that when everyone completes one of their training programs, they do present back what they've learned to the whole agency. Even if it's not relevant to every corner, every person in every corner of the room, what it does do is it gives people an insight into the the breadth of capability that we have as a company and and the diversity of skills that are required to be a successful integrated um, brand communications agency in 2023 and beyond, right? No, I love what you're doing on training, and I think it's so important that it gives uh, your employees a sense that they are constantly growing, that mindset that we are here to learn together, to learn from each other, but also we're investing in you guys on your learning uh, journey. Um, Sam, you talked about some great things, Agency for All, the training, the stuff you're doing there. Um, are you measuring the impacts of these initiatives? Are you actually doing some... Um, looking at some KPIs to kind of assess how, what is the impact on retention, or maybe even some soft measures like, you know, general um, uh, uh, satisfaction via surveys and whatnot. Yeah, we do. So we do um, all of those things to varying degrees. Um, mm -hmm. We split everything out by hard and soft measures. So hard measures are relatively easy to identify. Um, certainly retention rates, staff retention rates are a hard measure that we look at. Um, we also look at uh, the growth in capabilities in teams based around their skill sets. You know, what did we offer? What were we able to offer last year versus this year? Um, and actually a very good measure of that is what did we used to outsource versus what do we now do in-house, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's always a, a sobering realization uh, when, you, when you've skilled people, skilled people up. Um, so we measure that. We measure that. We certainly measure it through objectives as well as staff objectives because training and learning new skills forms part of our staff's objectives programs. Um, so it is specified as a, as a requirement as part, part of their job. Um, so we measure its success through that. And we also measure its success based on their ability to be able to uh, utilize that training in a practical, practical and meaningful way. Um, Whatever it might be, if it's leadership, has your leadership improved managing your team? How have you demonstrated that? These are all hard, hard measures. But there's also the soft measures as well, which we do through satisfaction surveys. We do a satisfaction survey every year where we ask people, every member of staff, to complete a survey on their agency UK experience, but also to provide suggestions to what they think should be improved. Um, and we monitor those surveys annually to see um, to see where where you know where we've risen as a management team, where we've risen to the challenge, and where we may have fallen short. Um, so what what we need to address, and we do that in an open forum as well. 
So if people have got suggestions or they've they've got um, grumbles, uh, we voice those and socialise those with the entire agency team, every member of staff, and we openly discuss how we're going to tackle them, if we're going to tackle them. Not everything is possible, right? But some things are possible. Mm -hmm. So we look at that as a management team and think, you know, is this, is this right for our people? Is this right for our clients? Is this right for our business? Um, and if so, how would we address that? Now, I'll give you an example. We did a satisfaction survey, which was presented back to all agency teams last week, in fact. And um, it was before our annual camping trip that we all went on. We do an annual sort of team building camping trip, which we did at the weekend. And one of the suggestions that came back was around holiday. You know, we want more holiday. Everyone always wants more. Right? <laughs> you ask anybody what they want, they want more time. <laughs> Um, yeah. Now, what's interesting is that we go to the market and we actually look at what the market, we do a survey and we, and we talk to recruiters and we say, what is, you know, what's an acceptable level of, of holiday entitlement in the, in the UK? Um, bearing in mind, we also work a lot with US companies that have virtually no annual holiday whatsoever. So you have to be, you'd be reducing, you'd be reducing their holidays. If you benchmark it on US standards, you'd Absolutely. be reducing their holidays. On average, is it 10 days outside of public? Yeah. Holidays? Yeah, yeah. Really low, low level, but then you compare it to France and, you know, essentially we'd all be retired if we did what, what they did. <laughs> so, um, so we do, but we do benchmark it in the UK in, in like, you know, like for like organizations. And in that particular case, we looked at it. And what we used to do was we used to give people a day off on their birthday, which had to be taken in their birthday week. But that's not always practical for people. You know, if they, you know, at the end of the day, if they're, if they're busy or there's a deadline, it might not be practical for them to take a day off in their birthday week. So we actually thought, well, instead of that as a gesture, which could be quite restrictive, let's give them an increase in holiday entitlement. So we're slightly above what the, what the average uh what the average came back as um we've increased the level of flexibility as to how they can use that holiday entitlement and there's a certain level of carryover as well which helps them to sort of manage that a bit as well um and it just brought us more closely in line but it, it addressed it addressed head on um their concerns which actually wasn't we need more holiday it was about we need a bit more flexibility around our holiday when you looked into it um mm -hmm. so that was a kind of positive outcome for for them and and for us but there there are other things that come up where where you know we have to stay i think it was actually we've had one recently we do a uh three days in the office working which we think is we know to be vital for a vibrant culture particularly in a creative business but we do two days flexibly at home you can work more than three days in the office if you want but it the, the maximum you can work at home is going to be two days right and we've had quite a lot of feedback over over these surveys. You know, um, can I be more flexible around when I work at home? Can I have more days working at home? If I've been on holiday and I come back, can I not do three days in the office? Can I can I do sort of less? But we've taken a relatively direct line with that, where we said no, it doesn't matter if if you've if you if you're only working five days in a week, uh, sorry, three days in a week, those three days are in the office. You know, your two your two other days. You've taken this holiday. That's how it has to work. It's important to have face time with your colleagues. Um, and we, when we when we feed that back to the wider team, the reason is, is that we've tried it. We've tried it every which way. We now know what works and we know what doesn't. Every work. business is different. And, and we're speaking to so many different people. And what we find is 
such a wide range of what good looks like for various businesses, depending on their specialisms, depending on the, their people culture. But you're right. If you find that something works for you, you need to make sure that, you know, you, you say this is the format that works for us as a team. And, you know, the majority, has, you know, everyone has to kind of comply with that in order for it to obviously post-COVID world demands a little bit more flexibility around because, you know, it's just being competitive with everyone else, giving flexible working and hybrids, which you're doing. Um, but yeah, if you feel that those three days are necessary for you to kind of produce the work and, and the standard of work that, you know, you guys have been successful for, then it's important that, you know, everyone adheres to it, right? Absolutely. And actually, there is a little bit of a juxtaposition for us with it because we do have remote workers. You know, we work internationally. We have people that do not live in and around um, our head office location, which is in, in Bath. Um, and we, we have full time members of staff that work and live in London, for example, mm. um, and other and other locations. So it's you have to draw a line, though, you know, at the end of the day, if so, if somebody is if somebody is in the vicinity, then they are not a remote worker. They are an office-based worker. But if somebody is in London, we would not expect them to be in the office three days a week. That's not financially viable. And and also, we don't want to cut, cut ourselves off from accessing great talent just because we happen to be in Bath. So if we've got great people that live in San Francisco, we'll happily look at bringing them on board and, and employing them. So you have to be you have to be flexible but we're also very mindful of the fact that our remote workers need more contact time we have to facilitate opportunities to meet with them and speak with them and we have to organize business trips and there is a cost to having people being a remote worker when you want to make them integrate into the agency culture as as best you can and for that reason, we do a lot of the activity-based stuff. We do the agency days. We do the agency for all. And in those scenarios, they are always in full attendance, face-to-face um, -face attendance. So they're always traveling to, to do it. Um, and that that's vital as well. People, you join an agency to be part of an agency vibe and an agency culture. If you don't thrive off that, go corporate, <laughs> you know? That's that's kind of our, our view. That's great, and um, I think you've you mentioned about a few a few areas where you give where you're giving the go the team autonomy um, and making them feel like they're actually they can have a voice, <clears throat> not necessarily direct everything that happens. It doesn't all go to a vote, and then that that's the way it works. But it probably breeds um, a bit more of a satisfaction in in the culture even even if people don't end up with necessarily what they want at least they know that their suggestions have been heard and uh, ideas have been considered and, and a reasonable explanation has been given as to why this might not work in this case uh, another really interesting point that you mentioned um before was obviously you're a b corp and you do a lot of activity around that um can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so we got involved in b corp um, and we actually got B Corp status with a over 100% uh, rate with them, actually. Um, sounds odd. They've got a percentage rating. <laughs> it, goes, it actually goes over 100%. But, um, and we, we achieved that, uh, I think, early or mi middle of last year, I think it was. Um, we got involved with B Corp because it reflected it wasn't a drive to use B Corp to make us change and do things. We were actually already doing a lot of the things that um, 
gave us B Corps status. But what B Corps does do is it gives us a framework to help us focus on where we get maximum impact because their framework is designed to do that, right? Um, so car first carbon neutrality, then carbon negativity. Um, and then the third milestone is we offset the carbon for every member of staff that joins. So our impact is then is then beyond just our business. That's important. Um, so we've achieved that. The selection criteria for our partners and our suppliers. Um, we're, my, we're much more mindful about how we do that because of B Corp. You know, the criteria that we meet requires us to vet partners and suppliers in a certain way. Um, mm. And that's been really helpful and, and really useful. Um, and it's a journey. It's not something that you just achieve with a tick box like a, like an ISO 9001 or, or 9002. It's actually, um, it's a journey. Every year you're, it, you're there not just to be assessed, but to improve. And we like that concept. We like the, the idea of, of always doing more, always doing better. Um, and actually, in terms of our, our vision as a business, we have we have a vision that we are about purpose, we're about people, and we're about community. And that ties in entirely with the philosophy that drives the B Corps status. Um, and we've had since joining B Corps, that is written into our uh, articles of association as a company. And it means that all of our initiatives are now built around our community impact, our impact on people, our people first and foremost, and then the wider, you know, the wider influence and our purpose as an organization, which is built around our clients and doing great work for our clients and, and ultimately our, our value proposition, you know, um, helping brands be smarter, uh, more desirable and more valuable. Everything we do drives, drives to that. So B Corp, B Corp has been great from that regard. Um, it's not easy. And if you, it's, it's easy to get involved with, it's not easy to achieve and to do it properly and to get a, a decent score and to really partner with them. That's not easy. It takes work and you have to dedicate that time. We actually got a consultant involved to help us do that as well. Um, but it's also opened us up to a, to a vast business network. Um, mm -hmm. We're part of a B Corp community now, and that's been one of our best new business tools. Sammy, thank you very much for sharing. You shared some uh, some really great stuff there. Um, what we'd like to hear from you, I guess, if if you were to pick up one thing um, that you wish that you started doing earlier, out of everything you've been doing recently, one of the you know real successes out of your initiatives that you wish you started earlier, which one would it be? Um, so there'd be two things actually. I think that the first one would be we'd have started up our innovations lab our, our kind of startup business incubator much sooner we you know we should have started that in year three or year four of our existence we were, we started the company in 2008 so we're 15 years old and really within the first five years we should have set that initiative up we, we left that far too late um and the reason we should have started that earlier is is for a start we'd have seen the fruits of our labor much sooner that that's one thing we'd have had a much broader portfolio of startup businesses that we also have a, a, an investing interest in. Um, but also since we started doing it 
and we've spun out three or four companies now. Um, the the rich opportunity it provides our people to work on great things um, and to do things a little bit more in the way that we think it should be done. You know, we're able. So this to... is the accelerator program you're putting in place for your your existing staff or your uh, previous employees to start their own kind of business ventures with your investment and, and yeah, so it, it hasn't it hasn't happened. We would be open to our own staff coming to us with ideas and, and doing that. Um, mm -hmm. We've never got one of those from that source off the ground. Um, but the way that it works is very simple. You know, we we get involved with well invested startup companies that have a long term investment view beyond seed. It has to be beyond seed funding. So it has to be a viable and scalable business proposition. Uh -huh. And we get involved with them in a number of different ways, but traditionally it's time materials paid for and then investment of additional support um, or additional profit into an equity stake in that company. And the equity stake has to be of a relative level of significance. Um, and the criteria for that isn't just that the business has to be viable. It has to be that there is a role for the leadership team at Agency UK and Agency UK services in that company, helping that company grow. It's no, it's no good if the company only needs us, you know, in the first three months to get them up and running, um, mm -hmm. maybe get their communications off the ground. It, that, that's not, that's not a, a symbiotic relationship. We have to identify a need for what we do for that business. On an ongoing basis. On an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. um, and the need doesn't have to be, you know, that what we're not talking about is they have to be a client of Agency UK for forevermore. It may be that Agency UK, um, they're not a client of Agency UK, but we have expertise that we can pass on, however that manifests itself. Um, and uh, we've got one at the moment, which we've started. Uh, it's a company that's already established um, over a year old. It's called Knight's Beekeeping, um, and that's making great grounds. The value proposition for Knight's Beekeeping and the purpose of Knight's Beekeeping is to pollinate the UK by creating biodiversity, um, biodiverse uh, insect corridors around the whole of the UK, like a like a highway works, and built around uh, bees and birds and wild, wild planting and everything else. Um, and it's a subscription model and it's it's absolutely buzzing <laughs> as, a as a business. So Knight's Beekeeping is doing really well. We've had other businesses in the past. Some have been successful, um, some we've exited, uh, some fall by the wayside and you know and, and don't achieve what they need to achieve which is a part of the course but that's certainly one thing that um is we find our people find really inspirational to work on because we we get more autonomy with it um, and that's always nice from a creative perspective that's always nice so that's one thing you know we wish we'd started that earlier the other thing is i think um on reflection we should have grass put in a grassroots program for our senior leadership team at a much earlier stage we over the years we've kind of growth hacked that we've brought senior people in we've hired us a senior level um and it hasn't ever really worked and now what we've done over the last few years is really invest in growing a senior leadership team from our internal pool of talent and investing in training them up investing in helping them to progress to be great leaders and that is just absolutely transformational for the business it's um it's completely changed how we operate it's changed 
the relationship between the senior leadership team and the people doing the work, you know, all the way through. We have hierarchy, but the feel of a flatter structure because of it. Um, and there's much more shared understanding as to what we do. The integration of the agency departments is far healthier because of taking that approach. And it shows your employees that they can rise through the ranks to the top. This is a very crucial thing, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why that would be a very positive signal to send to the grassroots. Yeah, I agree. It can be quite demotivating if the people think there's only so far they can go. And after investing all that time on hard work, you bring in someone over their head. Sometimes it's necessary, but to avoid in our experience as well, it worked so much better where we elevated the people that had, you know, reward their commitment and, and hard work and effort to put them into senior positions. They know the company better, they understand the nuances and, and they're engaged with the company and the culture, bring someone experienced in and they have their ways of working that might not always be aligned with with how you work absolutely yeah um i wholeheartedly agree on on all all of those points i think um it's just a healthier uh ecosystem when you've got people and also you know what's one of the biggest barriers for career progression in an agency of 40 50 people it's having somewhere to go um and that is often when you lose talent is because you don't have someone. You can't always open up an avenue for everyone to be constantly progressing because it's not always in our gift to be able to do that. We are defined in many ways by the clients and the size of the clients we work with. We are defined by the capabilities and the service offerings that we have at any one time. And we're defined by the number of people and the amount of business and revenue coming in. So it it is not an infinite um, pyramid. You do get that much more in a, in a larger in a larger corporate for sure. Um, even they tend to top out when you start hitting senior management and board level positions. Of course, they still top out depending on the scale of the company. Um, but any any which way we can provide opportunities for our own people, first and foremost, we will, we will take that. And the senior leadership team, our strategy around the senior leadership team has certainly shown that. And, and just to just to finish off, can you tell us about any other initiatives you're planning on implementing in the in the near future to support that the development of your culture? Um, we're always we're always implementing new things. Uh, we're not planning any major overhauls, um, but it's always tweaks and improvements. It's like that one percent thing, right? The athlete improve one percent here, there, and, and everywhere, rather than a big gain of fifty percent uh, improved performance in one area. I think that from a infrastructural perspective, we've certainly got all of our ducks in a row and, and we know what we're doing. It's about scaling that up and it's about amplifying that. Um, I think that there are some freelance services that we rely on a, a little too heavily at the moment. We will be bringing in-house. Some of them we've had in-house before, but we're bringing a vast majority of those back in-house. Um, so that'll be quite quite a change because it's much more direct exposure to those particular skill sets and capabilities for the internal team, um, which provides more interest, but also uh, more context for what they do every day uh, for our clients on the campaigns or the brand work that we do. Um, so we're certainly looking at that and the business is growing and the business is evolving. Um, we have a lot of international clients now, particularly uh, in Northern Europe and North America. So we do have a 2026 roadmap for the business and part of that will be the internationalization the formalization of our international footprint that's coming down the line um and we're slightly ahead of the game on that in uh, against target which is great 
Um, so that in itself presents new opportunities uh, to, to take the business in a slightly different direction. Um, and there's always there's always other opportunities to partner with other organisations um, and to build depth and breadth in certain in certain capabilities that we have already in Agency UK. But we might want to scale up. We do want to scale up. And in those scenarios, you know, we never take uh, acquisitions off the table. We're always looking at those. Um, and if the right one comes along, that is always a good way. I think if it if it's structured correctly and and the due diligence is done and the culture fit which is critical, is assessed. And we're able to allocate the time from a senior leadership team to do it properly and integrate it properly. Uh, you know, an acquisition would be would be a very attractive way to to hack growth. Okay, Sammy, thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you for sharing and for sparing uh, the time from your busy schedule to sit and talk to us today. Um, I hope our listeners have got a lot of value from, from our conversation. And yeah, thank you again. Pleasure. Thanks for having me and um, look forward to chatting again soon. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Sammy.